0: to football with your host Colin Summer brought to you by WHIP Yo what is going on guys it is down to football back with another episode hope everyone is doing well it is a fine Thursday. I'm sorry I'm bringing you guys an episode a little bit late after the Super Bowl and was unable to give you guys an episode before the Super Bowl. It has been a bit tricky. I'm here in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. I've been studying at Temple University for four years. Obviously, this is where I do my podcast at, at our student runs radio station, WHIP, one of the best in the nation. Uh, in Philadelphia, we have construction going on quite often, and unfortunately, there was construction going right outside my apartment, and just did not want to give you guys bad quality sound. Something you know, hard to deal with. Uh, listening to my voice, having to hear background sounds, it just wouldn't be a great mixture. Um, so, hopefully, that's pretty understandable. I again, just trying to give you guys the best content possible. Uh, it can be difficult when there's those background sounds, but today there are no background sounds, so. We can record. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the Super Bowl was just played on Sunday between the Rams and the Bengals. And you guys know I was riding with the Bengals all the way. And unfortunately, the Bengals did not come out on top. But man, was it a journey for them? Was it a journey for Joe Burrow? He proved a lot this year, and I'm sure he's going to be back at some point. He is a winner at heart, and he is a very, very good NFL player surrounded by a great team. They just need to work on that online. Something that I'll get into. But let's just jump right in and do the Super Bowl recap from Sunday. <clears throat> so, unfortunately for the Mangles, they're going to be first up because uh, they lost. Put up 20, 20 points. Joe Burrow, 22 of 33. Had a decent day, 263 yards and a touchdown. Uh, we'll get I'll get into the reasons as to why he could have had a better day and why he didn't have the greatest day. He still did all right. Uh, Joe Mixon averaging well, 15 carries for 72 yards. He also had five catches for only one yard, so pretty much nothing through the air. But he did have a passing touchdown for six yards to T. Higgins. T. Higgins had four catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns. Had a really, really long touchdown uh, on Jalen Ramsey at one point, which I will again be discussing. There's some things I want to discuss right after we're done with this recap. Jamar Chase, quality day, five catches for 89 yards. A lot of that came from that giant chunk play where he made a crazy acrobatic circus catch Uh, Also against Jalen Ramsey, Tyler Boyd uh, third on the charts uh, in terms of passing or not passing uh, receiving yards with five catches for 48 and the defense had two sacks nine tackles for loss and two interceptions in this game and then Matt Stafford your new Super Bowl winning quarterback. He played pretty good Uh, started out a little bit rough but got it done when it was most needed. Matt Stafford, obviously, we all know he was a guy stuck in a really, really bad situation for quite some time with the Lions. His only glimmer of hope was Calvin Johnson for so long. Finally gets the trade out of there, goes to Los Angeles. They deal all their chips. They're all in. They go and get Von Miller. They get some other guys. Eric Weddle comes out of retirement and is calling plays for the defense. I mean, it's crazy. He has, But Matt Stafford, 26 of 40. For 283 yards and three touchdowns. He did have two interceptions, one uh, just a deep ball, basically, you know, ended up being a punch. So, I I wasn't not that it was a bad pick, it was also a really, really good interception by the defender. Um, but overall, I didn't think it was a bad day from Matt Stafford. Now, the thing in this game that was really, really noticeable was the Rams' run game, or other people might say, uh, Cincinnati's run defense. Cam Akers, Sonny Michelle, Daryl Henderson had 19 carries total, but they only got 30 yards. That's less than two yards per carry. Just over one and a half yards per carry. That is poor. Very poor. And they did not have a single touchdown on the day. All the touchdowns came from Matt Stafford. Your Super Bowl MVP, Cooper Cup, Potentially one of the greatest receiving seasons of all time. Led the regular season in receiving yards, receiving touchdowns, uh, receptions. uh, Won the Triple Crown and... Has a phenomenal day in the Super Bowl with eight catches for ninety-two yards and two touchdowns, and goes and get himself a Super Bowl MVP. So congratulations to him! What an amazing year. Odell Beckham Jr. Two catches for fifty-two yards and a touchdown. He did tear his ACL in this game. It was tragic, but a lot of people are really see, you know, really really happy to see him get a ring. Uh, you know, he's he was kind of just left out on the street after his his trip with the Browns. Nothing really happened there. Uh, a lot of controversy. Finally found a home with the Rams. Had a really, really solid uh, regular season during his time with the Rams, and you know, caught a really crucial touchdown early in this game. Unfortunately, he was limited to the two catches of 52 yards. Did, like I said, did have the touchdown, but then tears his ACL. It's really tragic. Um, but I'd like to see him back on the Rams next year. You know, he said he's willing to take a discount. Uh, to stick with the team. Coming off of tour ACL, yeah, that's definitely going to affect his value a little bit. But uh, I- I'm pretty happy to see him uh, you know, thrive with the Rams. So hopefully he does go back there next year. And then Bryson Hopkins was the guy who came in and replaced... Odell Beckham Jr., I never heard this guy's name before, many people are probably in the same boat as I am, but he had four catches for 47 yards, and I know that's nothing crazy, but when you're being thrusted into the Super Bowl, having to take over Odell Beckham Jr.'s spot, not that there's high standards, but you do have a big gap to fill, Uh, I'm really shocked Van Jefferson wasn't more involved uh, than he was, but Bryson Hopkins, I mean, those four catches for 47 yards probably meant more uh, to the team than people might really take at face value. And then the defense had seven sacks and eight tackles for losses. Uh, and, and now kind of just jumping in after telling you, well, again, the final score was 23-20. to 20, uh, The Rams had seven sacks. So Burrow's O-line, I mean, allowing seven sacks, I believe throughout the playoffs, I'm not really sure what happened in the Raiders game, how many times he got sacked in that game. But he was sacked nine times versus the Titans. Only once against the Chiefs, and then he gets sacked seven times against the Rams. Now, had he, now this is kind of where I'm going into my next part with controversies and key factors that played super, super important roles in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, those seven sacks were probably the difference maker for Bro. I mean, he barely had any time to throw. Seven sacks is a lot, and, and at one point he even got hurt. I mean, uh, there, he's not requiring surgery. There's no, no, no requirements to get any ligaments fixed, no, no damage. Uh, but looked like he was in a massive amount of pain. And, you know, last year as a rookie, he tore his ACL. So in the draft, a lot of people thought, okay, they're going to draft a lineman. You know, got to protect Burrow. They had Higgins and Tyler Boyd, two very solid wide receivers, could have sufficed. But they chose Jamar Chase. And while Jamar Chase did win Offensive Rookie of the Year and he proved beneficial to the team, and a lot of people would say they wouldn't have gotten there without him, Uh, it was a big risk to take considering bro coming off a torn ACL is still going to have no protection. I mean, you watch this game. There was not a single time, it felt like at least, but there probably was a single time. But it felt like there wasn't a single time where Aaron Donald was actually getting blocked. I mean, the guy was in the backfield nonstop. Nonstop. So it's just wild. Uh, I'm assuming the Mangles are going to absolutely 100% prioritize uh, offensive line. Uh, In the draft, the upcoming draft in April. I have no doubt about that. They don't, uh, my mind would be blown, uh, truthfully. I mean, you can't allow this guy, Burrow. I mean, everyone loves him. People outside of the Bengals love him. He's one of the faces of the league. He's got the swagger. He's cool, Joe Cool. He's got tons of nicknames now. A lot of people like him, and there's a lot of young kids who are inspired by him. So the last thing you want to do. Is is not worry about this O-line and see some crazy not even season ending but career ending injury happen to him. So the Bengals really, really truthfully, I mean it's it's so blatantly obvious that they need to prioritize drafting O-line and tr- and honestly it doesn't even matter what position they take, they could take anything, and it, it's an instant upgrade. I mean This was the difference maker in the game. In my opinion, I mean, this was a three-point game. And Burrow was sacked seven times. Three-point game, sacked seven times. I mean, really think about that. A half-decent O-line. Give him a middle-of-the-pack O-line. And I think the Bengals win this game. Just crazy. Uh, That is more of a key factor. One of my controversies I want to talk about. um, So we'll start with probably the most controversial one. Um... T. Higgins, deep touchdown. Uh, a lot of a lot of fans getting a little riled up. What happened on that play? Uh, when you looked at the replay, and it was really really blatant. T. Higgins grabbed Jalen Ramsey by the face mask, face mask, before the ball was even close to arriving, and threw him down pretty much. Or uh, and Jalen Ramsey, who I'm not even a big fan of, I felt really bad for because he's looking around like dang like. He's not even complaining. He's just shocked. I think he was in utter shock. That's not really on him. Obviously, at the end of the day, that's going to go down on his stat sheet. That's just how it is. But that should not have been a touchdown nor catch. Um, there should have been a flag. And uh, one thing I do want to bring up is, you know, is this like natural karma? Just the way the universe works, 2018 versus Saints. I'm still a little pressed about it, reasonably so. Is that a little bit of karma for that no-call? It kind of felt like it. I had people telling me who aren't even Saints fans, just NFL fans, saying, oh, this is karma, this is karma. And you know what? It very well could be. Um, But the Rams still win, so truthfully, it doesn't really matter. But that specific play, I mean, it had to be karma. And then... The other really controversial play... In the closing minutes... Third and goal, the Bengals are locking down the Rams. And Cooper Cup is lined up, and Logan Wilson, linebacker, number 55, having a, who had a phenomenal game and a phenomenal postseason. You are going to hear about his name more next year. He is a great player, and not many people know about him. Logan Wilson gets tasked with covering Cooper Cup. And if you really look at the play, slow motion, every angle... He played Cooper Cup so perfectly. So perfectly. But I feel like you see a linebacker as big as him on top of a a guy like Cooper Cup, who's, I'm not saying he's small, but not as big. I mean, it's a linebacker versus a wide receiver. Clean. Cleanest can be a phenomenal play, and he gets flagged for it. I was so shocked. I didn't know what to say. It kind of blew my mind. I'm like, wow. Uh, this should not be a flag. A lot of people would agree. Uh, and my question here is, was that a makeup call? Was that a makeup call for what happened with Jalen Ramsey? Uh, overall, both were bad. And honestly, there were not many flags thrown in this game. But this might have been one of the worst officiated games I have personally ever seen. Uh... You know, it's one thing not to throw flags, but to then throw a flag when there shouldn't have been one. And one of the most crucial, one of the biggest turning points in the game. I just don't understand. Look, I'm not saying I could go out there and ref an NFL game because I I, I definitely can't. But wow, I I saw so many things. Holding calls, uh, face masks, uh, holdings that like on defense, not offense. uh, PIs, I mean, it blew my mind. I thought the officiating in this game was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And I'm not saying for the Bengals it was bad. I'm not saying for the Rams it was bad. For the game it was bad. On both sides. It was just so inconsistently bad. I don't really think it's getting talked about enough. But we move on. So those are really the two controversies. Logan Wilson holding call. And then... um, the the face mask from T Higgins on Ramsey. Uh and then the you know the key factors. Uh, I have one more, but you know, I already mentioned the O line with the seven sacks. But let's talk let's break down this final play. There are a couple there are a couple moving parts that we can talk about here. So clearly again, O line factors and again Burrow is getting chased down. He's in the middle of getting sacked. Now somehow he manages to get the ball off and over the line of scrimmage. Because uh, if he didn't and no one caught it, it would have been intentional grounding, so regardless, they would have lost. That ball was in the direction of backup running back Samaje Pirine, who was in the previous play. So, again, a couple of moving parts. On the previous play, Aaron Donald pulled back Samajay Pirine uh, on a third and one, on a run play. And then it was about fourth and a half a yard at that point. Why is Joe Mixon not in the game? I mean, this blows my mind. Uh, I I really didn't know what to think right after I I, I thought about it. Joe Mixon is getting that first down. Aaron Donald's a big man, and, and Aaron Donald can take down Samaj P. Ryan, but Joe Mixon is a much bigger person than Samaj P. Ryan and is a much harder runner. I mean, Samaj P. Ryan is mostly a receiving back. Why was Joe Mixon not in? There's no reason. I mean, none. I, in, on that fourth and half half a yard, I would have rather ran the ball with Joe Mixon. 15 carries for 72 yards, averaging nearly five yards a carry in this game. Why is Joe Mixon not in the game? A terrible coaching decision. And then breaking it down even farther with the O line. If you really, if you look at the whole field, the whole landscape, Jamar Chase had. Jalen Ramsey on the ground, completely beat, would have been a game-winning touchdown, but again, key factor, it comes down to that seven sacks, that that pressure, that O-line being so bad. Right there, just didn't have the time to get set and throw. Um, And then what happened was, is Joe Burrow did get the ball off in the direction of Samaj AP Ryan on that fourth and about half yard, fourth and one we'll call it. He didn't even dive. It's a Super Bowl. Like, he didn't even, it, it, he just gave up on it. He, I, honestly, it was probably not as close as I, I think it was, at least from the angles that I've seen. But from the angles I have seen, if I'm out there, I'm probably not making the catch, but I sure as heck am I'm diving for it. It's the Super Bowl. I'm going all out in any possible way. In any fashionable way, I'm going all out, no matter the circumstances. I could have gotten blasted. I could have been hospitalized for catching that ball. If somebody, if a linebacker was about to rail me, it is a Super Bowl. I am going to die for that ball. Uh, again, I, I just don't know why Joe Mixon isn't in the game. Uh, the, the the O-line is bad. I mean, so many key factors. I mean, so many little moving parts. The Bengals, uh, coaching, O-line, Samajay Pirine not being, uh, being in and not Joe Mixon. I mean, it's just crazy. Just crazy. I'm so shocked he didn't dive at that. Uh, My stomach dropped because I, again, was riding with the Bengals the whole way. Blows my mind. Blows my mind that he did not dive for that ball. I mean, that is crazy. On such a big platform, how do you not dive for that? But that is your 2021 to 2022 NFL season all wrapped up. It has been a pleasure to cover this season. I'm not done, though. Uh, real quick, I'm not going into details. Not saying, I'm not giving you reasoning. I'm just putting it out here now. So if we can look back and it happens, it's here. My earliest possible 2023 Super Bowl prediction, Chiefs versus Rams. That's what I think it'll be. Book it, mark it, bend on it, do what you want. That's what I think it's going to be. You do not have to agree. I'm not asking you to, and I know it's tough because I'm not giving you reasoning. Just straight up, Chiefs versus Rams, simply put. Now, moving on to our last part of this episode, we are going to be discussing the 2022 NFL Draft. There is a lot to discuss, and we will start. So, I've seen a lot of different mock drafts. I'm going to give you my personal opinion on what I think is going to happen Uh, starting with the Jags first overall pick Uh, I think they have to go edge rusher I think they have no defense they have to get an edge rusher I think they go Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan Uh, I think that's the likelihood here I think it makes the most sense you could go offensive tackle Evan Neal might not be a bad option but I think you have to go Aiden Hutchinson I mean their presence on defense is terrible protection for Trevor Lawrence might not be a bad idea uh, but I think 100%, I feel like it has to be Aiden Hutchinson. I feel like he's the consensus number one overall pick. Uh, so to no surprise, uh, people are probably saying, oh, how could it not be Kayvon Tobo or, or Evan Neal? But I do think it has to be Aiden Hutchinson. And then right after him, Detroit Lions. Um, I think they go – I mean, it's so weird. I could see them dropping back. And just between the Texans and um, – the Lions just dropping back one pick. I think then uh, they should drop back, grab... Uh, it's so tough. Because I think, I think Houston goes after Kayvon Tobo so I think they move up. Um, but I can see the Lions going offensive line again. Drafting Evan Neal would be a very solid option. Wouldn't really be too shocked about that. Uh, Evan Neal, great offensive line prospect. And then at number three, Texans, Kayvon Tobol. I think... I think they could switch switch spots and both draft the same people I just mentioned, um, but I think that's what happens. And then you have the Jets at number four. I think they stick in their spot. I think Kyle Hamilton's probably the likeliest option. Uh, Marcus May's future, kind of unsure. Uh, I believe he was franchise tagged. I could be wrong. Uh, I don't think he's under contract, at, at least talking about Marcus May. Uh, they might lose him. So, uh we'll we'll have to kind of keep an eye on that see what they do in free agency, but I think how Hamilton out of Notre Dame is, is the most probable great safety prospect. Uh I, I'm pretty high on him. I see him as a great defender. Uh so yes, I would like I would think that's the most reasonable thing. Uh, five at the Giants, I think it's really really plain and simple. Uh they have to go offensive line. Uh I think Ekem and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing it right. Ekem Equonu out of NC State, offensive tackle. I mean, I think Daniel Jones got one more year. He has one more year. That's it. Uh, you're, they're trying, and again, they have had such a bad offensive line since Saquon has come into the league, and you're not giving Saquon much room to work with. He's been struggling. Have to go offensive line. Equonu, I think they have to draft him. Carolina Panthers. Uh, this is going to sound crazy at six. I think they draft Malik Willis. I think they need to find their quarterback of the future. Uh, I think M- Malik Willis is pretty much jumping up in drafts as of lately. So I think they, they draft Malik Willis here. I think they find their QB of the future. He might not start right away. Uh, I could also see them go on O-line. Uh, maybe like Charles Cross is very possible, but I think they draft Malik Willis. Uh, and this is going <laughs> to sound crazy. The Giants. They have the seventh pick then, I believe. Uh I think they go I believe they have the second pick. Or they have the Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they have so they had the Bears pick at number seven. Um based on a trade they made last year. I think the Giants go back to back. Offensive line. I think they draft uh, Ikem, Iquonu, and I think they go Charles Cross at 7. I think they go back-to-back. Truthfully, I mean, they have Kenny Galladay. They have some good weapons on offense. Their defense isn't bad. It's not great. Kind of in the middle of the pack, but I think this offense can thrive if they have the right offensive line pieces. So I think they can double up on offensive line and, and make it, and it be reasonable. I think in their second pick at the number 7 spot, they could drop back a little bit and draft an offensive lineman, maybe get some other picks later in the draft. Um, But I could really see, see this being a possibility That they double up on offensive linemen uh, To the Falcons <sighs> Deion Jones isn't getting any younger I think they're lacking linebackers so, so poorly uh, A guy who's been rising up in drafts Devin Lloyd out of Utah, linebacker I think that it's very possible The Falcons draft A linebacker I mean, he's a tackle machine it's very, very possible. I like him a lot. Uh, always in the backfield. He, he, he's he's in coverage. He's getting sacks. He's a little bit of everything. He's very, very versatile linebacker. So uh, with that eighth pick, Falcons, I think a really solid choice would be Devin Lloyd. Uh, as for the Broncos, at number nine, uh, you know, no more Von Miller anymore. They still do have Bradley Chubb. But I think they need another pass rusher. And I think they go Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. Uh, really good motor, gets a lot of sacks. Always in the backfield, wreaking havoc. He uh, was a conference, uh, their conference, Florida State's conference defensive player of the year in 2021, uh, and, and had a very very nice Senior Bowl week. I think uh, I think the Broncos will always draft defense. I think it's very possible they trade away, they attempt to trade away their pick to try it. I um, can get a quarterback, maybe Russ. Uh, but I think I think it, the likelihood here is that they go and draft. I could see them drafting an offensive lineman too. It's very possible. Uh, but I do think that they go with an edge rusher because uh, that defense can only get be- it can't get much better. But it can get slightly better if they go go and grab an edge rusher to, who proves to be beneficial to the to the defense. I, that would be very very lethal. And then lastly, we got the Jets again. The Jets and Giants both have two top 10 picks within the draft. I think they need a corner. They're lacking a corner so poorly. I think they draft Derek Stingley Jr. Out of LSU, he is a phenomenal corner. Great athleticism, ball skills. uh, Very comparable, in my opinion, of of A.J. Terrell. And A.J. Terrell proved to be a great cornerback last year. He's got some nice size, good length. Uh, He was a five-star recruit. Super young. He turns 21 in June. He'll be 20 during the draft. Uh, Derek Stingley at at 10 for the Jets would be a very, very good pick. Uh, And I'm just going with the top 10 for today. Uh, We'll do 11 through 20 next time. That is going to be it for this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed. It has been a wonderful season. I'm glad to bring this content with you along the way. I hope you guys are doing well and maintain good health and wealth this year in 2022 it has been a pleasure but i do have one last question are you down to football